0: To write you, existed me, would not be merely a deaf translation, for there is no sequel to the passage, when I saw as you would never again be revealed, you see me as I would never again be revealed. Those words from Epitaph, a poem from this year's Pulitzer Prize-winning poet Forrest Gander, who's on the line with us now. Uh, Belated congratulations on your prize. Good morning to you.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much.
0: Well, I I have to say, I don't know whether I could possibly do your words justice by just reading them out, but um, they're, they're certainly stirring. Can you give us a quick overview of your approach to poetry. It's obviously not, in that example, the uh, the traditional rhyme format. Uh, and by the way, I don't particularly think poetry should ever necessarily have a certain rule or rhyme to it. But you, as the expert, can you explain to us your approach to putting these feelings into words and words into poems?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, though I wouldn't call myself an expert. I distrust experts. I think that it's good to keep, uh, I think as soon as you think you're an expert, you begin to repeat yourself, and that that's the death of an art. And the word that you used to describe my poetry, thank you so much, is the word that I care about the most. You said stirring, and um, I think that what I want with my poetry is um, is something that's emotionally resonant in the reader, not um, not a poetry of um, of I- ideas or information, but a poetry of a feeling and inquiry.
0: Sometimes poetry spurs from feelings or, or situations which seem impossible to put into either rational language or, or, or language that flows in a conversational prose form. Is is that um, something that drives you also?
1: Yes, that's exactly it. I think you're right on on target with that, that, you know, this is the first time in history, uh, in human history, that we've ever been so dependent on uh, constantly rational language giving us information, Um, and yet there are other ways of understanding the world and ourselves and of using language that have always been used um, by humans, uh, which is why poetry has occurred in every culture that's ever been studied, that the shamans and the poets were the ones that were investigating intuition and imagination and um, rhythmical power um, that uh, also make meaning for us, but not just informational meaning.
0: I I grew up, um, as many people did in Britain, studying poets like William Wordsworth and, and not necessarily appreciating them at the time, but in hindsight appreciating much more some of those attempts to capture the origins of the soul and meaning uh who are the poems that inspired you first
1: well um my uh my mom read me poetry and it was the rhythms that i remember the most she read me edgar Allan poe and carl sandberg i think for a lot of people the best place to um, to discover poetry is in their own time. It's hard to read poetry for the first time that was written a few centuries before you, in a language, and in a cultural context that's so different from yours. Right. So I think lots of um, people get on the bus in their own time, and then when they get excited about contemporary poetry, they want to read. Um, they want to read backwards and find out, you know, what um, what the history of that poetry is, what it's connected to.
0: We'll continue talking a little bit about your own work, um, but first, let's just, um, speaking of placing you in a very current context, I talk about how you participated in the 2019 Seoul International Writers' Festival just last week. How did that go?
1: Uh, it was fantastic. It was my first time in Korea, and it's one of the rare festivals that I've been to where the director happens to be um, one of the country's major writers. Uh, often directors are people who are better known for their managerial skills. So it was uh, really great to discover Kim Sion's English-language book called Liking in Silence, uh, translated by Brother Anthony and Susan Wine. Brother Anthony is like one of the biggest champions and translators of of Korean contemporary Korean poetry into English. And it was also exciting to meet writers from all over the world who were also in Seoul, partly to learn about Korean contemporary literature. So besides writers from Cuba and Nigeria and Vietnam, I got to meet um, Korean students at Yonsei University, And I got to spend a good deal of time in the company of an excellent Korean poet named Moon Chung-hee. The um, theme of this festival
0: was thousands of mirrors reflecting us. Do you feel confident that your poetry, though, can be reflected in other languages without being able to maybe judge it fully?
1: Well, I think that's a a great question. And that's what I thought that... kind of how I interpreted the meaning of a thousand mirrors, thousands of mirrors reflecting us. I thought that the mirror was really a metaphor for translation. The festival wouldn't have existed without translation. And without translation, we don't see each other. We just see our own language looking back at us. But through translation, other languages and cultures and worlds open us up to us, like light shining back from mirrors. And I think the festival was so successful because um, the lit exchange people, um, people like Back Alec and Lee Eunhee and Kyung Jin Claire and Kim Hyono were so talented and, and focused. And I've come back to the U.S. with uh, a whole lot of, Korean, uh, of books by Korean writers that I didn't know before in English translation. And I've been reading them avidly.
0: It, it's great to so hear of the, a vibrant scene, by the way. Um, but the the problem I have in in approaching poetry is that I, I don't know exactly where to place it in the in the modern cultural context. It, it, poetry feels like it hasn't found its place yet in the twenty first century, um, commercially or or even perhaps culturally. But but maybe that's because it exists on the fringes of some of our literary circles in a way that unless you go there, you're not going to notice. What what, what do you think about its place?
1: Well, I think think a lot of people say that, and that it turns out not to be so true. They just did a uh, big survey on reading in the United States, and As you might expect, um, the number of people reading books has gone down in the last 10 years. Mm. But the number of people reading poetry books has gone way up. And um, it's true that poetry sort of exists on the margins of economy. You know, it's not reviewed so much, um, and yet there are a lot of people writing, writing and reading it. And there are a lot of websites and journals publishing it. And I think it's because in an age of spectacle like we live in and technology and really fast-paced um, uh, incoming that um, people are, feel an emotional, intellectual, soulful need for something more reflective and um, and that the young people, it's young people are still turning to poetry and finding it, that that's happening. But um, not everyone's noticing that.
0: Is there um, also a sense that it's it's difficult to keep a lid on poetry? In other words, uh, you could have uh, a poem that's very easy to reproduce online and, and keep the copyright infringements upon, uh, whereas a whole 350-word, sorry, page novel is going to be a lot harder to uh, to reproduce in the same way.
1: Well, that's probably true, too. Um, and I think that, you know, literatures um, do different things. You know, they connect with people that need different things from literature. And... Um, but that... Um, People are connecting with poetry still.
0: Your award came in line with your latest book, uh, Be With, a collection of allergies that grapple with sudden loss. And again, these are the kind of themes that I, I suspect almost all of us listening right now could could be very stirred by, to use that word again. Can you just describe for us a little bit more, though, how your book um, of poems Addresses that.
1: I'm um, sure it. Um, so in in any um, in any place that I've been reading from this book, uh, people come up to me afterwards and say, "Oh, this is my own experience." Um, so many of us are dealing with family members who have dementia or Alzheimer's, and all of us at some point are dealing with the loss of loved ones. So in this book, I'm writing about different kinds of loss, like you say, but also about what survives loss, in particular, how memory and love and intimacy might continue in the wake of diseases like Alzheimer's or in the wake of a lover's death. Because You know, what I found was that in any deep, significant relationships, your identity merges with someone else's identity. And it can be very difficult to even recognize yourself when the person who could verify all your memories, your experience, what you call your life, is gone. So the book is is working through... um, uh, a trajectory like that in
0: your poetry you 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 seem to be quite experimental even with the um use of italics uh, the, the poem i was reading before from epitaph it it felt like i needed to put a little more emphasis on the words in italics as i was reading What, what what's your intention there
1: well i i think that um the sense that uh any of us speak in just one voice is is usually a mistaken sense and that that's you know the um the person who thinks their one voice speaks for everyone the you know the metaphor for that is you know the atomic bomb It, it it's a voice that blocks out all other voices but inside any of us um there are m- multiple voices, multiple ways of using language, um, multiple ways of perceiving what's going on, and so I'm interested in um, in bringing um, the richness of the different voices inside us into my poetry, and um, every you know in, in terms of formal experimentation. Every rhythm carries a different emotion, and every form is a new idea, and no art can just repeat itself endlessly. We we can't just write the way Wordsworth did, or um, if Korean poets were just repeating things, they'd be writing poems extolling warriors and royalty and writing in Chinese or Hyanga um, as they did in, in their old anthologies, and... No one wants to do that anymore, yeah, because we want to write for our contemporaries
0: yeah it seems to me like a successful poet manages to express these things without sounding pretentious
1: that's so and yeah, I think so too yeah um I don't want to sound pretentious, and at the same time though i don't um I don't think that we need to patronize our audiences by just reading, like Twitter poems that right. um, we can um, you know we, we want people to use their intelligence and to um, engage with um, the word in a way that's more active than like passively watching TV
0: Well, Forrest Gander, Pulitzer Prize winner you have to keep getting used to hearing the sound of that I'm sure, um, thank you very much for taking the time to speak with us today we're out of time
1: All right. Thanks so much for your questions.